to another great episode of The Bourbon Road with your hosts, Jim and Brian, where they talk bourbon and, of course, drink bourbon. Grab yourself a pour, kick back, and enjoy another trip down the bourbon road. excited to have blantonsbourbonshop.com as a new sponsor for the bourbon road podcast in fact this podcast was brought to you by blanton's bourbon shop blantonsbourbonshop.com is the only official merchandiser for blanton's the original single barrel looking for a unique gift blanton's bourbon shop has got you covered blantonsbourbonshop.com is your home for all blanton's gifts You know, friends, it's never too early to start planning your trip to the Bourbon Trail for 2023. We hope you'll join the Bourbon Road crew as we pull out all the stops this year at Bourbon on the Banks. So mark your calendars for October 6th and 7th, and we'll plan on seeing you in Frankfort, Kentucky. Be sure to listen in during the halftime break for all the details on Bourbon on the Banks. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Bourbon Road Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Shannon, and today, Brian is once again with us in the house in the Bourbon Road Bar. Brian, welcome back. You've been a busy guy. Been very busy. It is great to be back. Yeah. We haven't sat down to sip on some whiskey in probably three or four weeks. Is that about right? That's about right. Uh, Yeah. Fourth of July. Oh my goodness. Yep. It's been longer than that. Mm-hmm. Well, a little longer than that. Well, fantastic. Good to have you back. Great to be back in the Bourbon Road Bar. We do have a guest with us today. We do, yes. And we've got Greg Snyder from Chicken Cock brand of whiskeys, uh, primarily bourbons and rye and finished whiskeys, right? That's correct. Greg, welcome to the Bourbon Road. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you today. So you brought more whiskeys than we can possibly taste in a given <laughs> show, but we've picked four really good ones, I think, to talk about today. I hope so. I, I think you'll enjoy them. And Brian, you you kind of got the ball rolling on this interview, and uh, what, what got what got your attention on Chicken Cock? Uh, well, it it's a brand that, of course, I've seen around quite a bit. I mean, there's there's uh, some good expressions out there and uh you know the email was was very welcoming and i was like you know we really do we need to get them on and uh just start reading a little bit more and and everything and uh when when they said do you want greg to come hang out with you guys and do a podcast i was like yes we do yeah it's kind of funny and and this happens a lot so we have almost 360 episodes that we put out, Greg. So we've had an awful lot of distilleries on an awful lot of great shows, but it, it always surprises me when some, when someone like, you know, chicken cock hasn't been on. It's like, how, how did we miss these guys? Because I know last year at the Kentucky bourbon festival, you guys were on fire down there. It was a fantastic event and you really uh, made a huge impression. Yeah, thanks. I, you know, it was crazy. Uh, you know, at the, at our booth there, the line was 
probably, I don't know, 20, 30 yards long with people yeah. nonstop uh, Friday, Saturday. I slowed down as, as the Sunday got towards the end, but it was, it was packed. It was, it was quite amazing. So we, we, we've kind of introduced you by name, but we haven't really talked about what you do for Chicken Cock. Can you, can you tell our listeners kind of, you know, what you do there? You know, officially, I serve in the role of, as their master distiller. Okay. Uh, that was hired to uh, actually have, have a consulting company. And in 2017, when I started my consulting business, uh, Rain and Barrel Spirits, who owns Chicken Cock Whiskey, they hired my consulting services to help them with um, um, some of the issues, supply chain issues, some operational stuff. And, and one day the founder, Marty Antela, came to me and he shared his vision of wanting to resurrect Chicken Cock back to Kentucky and bring it back to the high quality prominence the brand was known for for many, many years. And so uh, that's kind of what I've been focused on and, and working on for the last uh, last six years now. That's awesome. Well, I think we probably ought to taste a little whiskey. What do you think, Brian? I'm ready. Are you? Me too. <laughs> I, I'm really ready. I've had kind of a long day. I'm ready for a, a glass of whiskey. So what are we, Greg, what do we have in our first glass? Okay. Well, the first uh, uh, rendition we're going to taste is our Chicken Cock Kentucky Straight Bourbon. Now, we started making bourbon um, back in Kentucky. I mean, the, the resurrection actually started in, in uh, uh, late 2017 and early 2018. And the um, we, we, we actually make it at Bardstown Bourbon Company. That's the home of Chicken Cock Bourbon. But when, when Marty asked me to help him resurrect the brand and serve in the role of master distiller, um, you know, I told him, you know, one of the things we have to do is that everything we do for Chicken Cock is focused on bringing that brand back. The objective is to bring it back to the high quality prominence the brand new many, many years ago. And it's a long storied history as well. But uh, so what we're drinking, this is uh, is going to be at least four years old. Every bourbon that we do is going to be at least four years old now. And this is 90 proof. Again, the objective of bringing it back to its high quality prominence. If we let the, the CFOs of the world decide you know, what the bottling proof is going to be, <laughs> it's going to be 80 proof because you get a lot more bottles out of the barrel at 80 proof. But uh, again, this one, the sweet spot on this one, which I, I actually um, decide what the actual bottling proof is going to be for each of our, our products that we put out. But this one's 90 proof. You see, it's got some pretty good legs on, on, the, uh, on the glass as it is. And when I do tastings, you know, I, I tell people across the country, it's not an exam. You know, there is no wrong or right answer. What your nose smells and what your mouth tastes is going to be totally different than other people in the room. And so when I do tastings, I really don't tell them what I get out of it. I want people to tell me what they smell and what they taste because I don't want to put any, you know, <laughs> thoughts in their head saying, oh, yeah, I get that. I get that. No, I want you to tell me what, what you get because it's all different. It's not good or bad, right or wrong. Yeah. It's all different. Well, let's try it. Let's right. start with the nose. There you go. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, it does have a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a funk to it, like a, a warehouse nose to it, doesn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love that. You don't always get that. A little fruity. Wow, the oak. A little bit of new oak, a little bit of, you know, aged oak, kind of that nice balance between the two. As they get, as they get older, as they depart from four years and head towards six and 12, you start to lose that new oak. And I, that's, I kind of like that sometimes. Well, there's a story behind that as well that we'll get into probably in a little bit. But uh, I actually not only have oversight for everything that uh, that they do at Bardstown Bourbon Company to make chicken cock whiskey, but I also have oversight, as we say, from the bark to the barrel to the bourbon to the bottle. All the way from I select the, the logs at the stave mill 
Wow. that we're going to use to cut into staves and heading. And we quarter saw those logs and, and cut them into staves and heading and then uh, let them sit outside and natural air dry for nine to 12 months. And then about a week and a half before we're scheduled to wake, make our whiskey down in Bardstown, I go out to West Virginia where the scooperage is and uh, those staves and heading come into the cooperage. They're nine to 14% moisture where they need to be to, to machine them cleanly without tearing the wood. And then um, I'm there to ensure that every barrel is constructed properly Every barrel's toasted properly to a medium plus toast, and every barrel is charred properly to a number three level char. By doing that, with my experience uh, in, in the industry, uh, I can create as much flavor as that white oak barrel has to offer. Um, you know, I've been in this business 45 years. 12 of my 45 years, I actually worked for Brown Foreman. Well, nine of those 12 years I worked for Brown Foreman, I managed their cooperage operations. Back then it was called Bluegrass Coopers. Now it's called Brown Foreman Coopers now. And so, you know, I've, I've not only made whiskey, aged whiskey, bottled ship whiskeys, but I've also made barrels. 60 to 70% of the flavor in a good bottle of whiskey comes from that white oak barrel. It's so a critical component. So I've heard. Critical component. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's great that you have both of those backgrounds because they really could, they, they you know, that when you're working with a company like, Bardstown Bourbon Company. What a great partner to have, by the way. They are. They're fantastic um, people. But to, but but to come to the table with Bardstown Bur Bourbon Company and bring all that experience and knowledge with you, you can have a real high level conversation with them about the whiskey you want to make. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I've, I've been blessed. I have been able to work in, in so many different facets of, of the business, uh, but it's fun. You know, I can take my 45 years now and, and, and focus and channel it on uh, on chicken cock uh, whiskey and, and provide us as good whiskey as I think you're going to find on the market. All right. You ready to taste it? Let's do it. Cheers. Oh, that's wonderful. I've waited way too long today to have my first glass. <laughs> I think today was a day I could have, I probably could have had that first bourbon around 2 PM. <laughs> what do you, I, you I definitely could have <laughs> some days, you know, some days you just get, uh, meeting after meeting and you're just in the grind and you got no time to think and there's not enough time to get everything done. And then the end of the day comes and you kind of, you wonder where the day went and, and you're looking for that, that class to have that <laughs> something to wind down with. Right. Well, that's, that's a beauty when you get my age. See, I'm semi retired. I, I work, I don't know, 40 to 60 hours a month maybe. And, and, uh, and get to enjoy, enjoy life and, you know, get to do what I love. My passion is, is whiskey, of course. And, uh, uh, so yeah, it's great. But, uh, it's one of the reasons I got started my consulting company. I want to get out of the corporate rat race and, and really, uh, kind of keep contributing to the, to the industry. Well, we made a new friend today, Brian, and he brought us whiskey. That's right. <laughs> so it doesn't There's, get any better than it that. It does not get any better than that. <laughs> and some of the stories we've already heard, you know, and just the, the wealth of knowledge that you have, uh, you know, we took us a little longer to get set up than normal, but. I really love getting to hear some of the stories that you share and your background. It's uh, it it's super awesome. It's one of the things that I love about being on the Bourbon Road is getting to learn and hear all the stories uh, from back in the good old days. You know, before I was allowed to drink bourbon, um, 
all the way through now, it's it's a lot of fun. I think I said, you know, I've, again, I've been very blessed. I worked for a lot of different companies in various capacities. But, you know, I, I grew up in there with, the, you know, the Jimmy Russells and, and the Booker Nose and Elmer T. Lees and, and Parker Beam. And all those guys were dear friends of mine. And uh, so, yeah, um, we could probably do a, an eight-hour segment on just stories alone. Uh, so. <laughs> well, we might have to have a part two right. at one point. What do you when, when are you going to write your book? You know, it's, it's funny. So many people say, oh, you got to write a book. Look, you got to write a book because I've done some, you know, did actually did a podcast just on the stories, industry stories of of different people that I've worked with and, and got to be friends with. But, you know, I'm not a writer. I may uh, may run into somebody who's uh, got the skill sets that uh, can, can write the book and I'll just uh, start talking. So we'll see. So can I ask you what the mash bill is on this? Yeah, absolutely. So our bourbon mash bill is 70 percent corn, 21 rye and 9 percent malted barley. Again, it's 90 proof. And I don't know if you saw, remember the, the look of the bottle. Uh, we have two bottle styles, actually. Um, both those bottles are actually replicas of pre-prohibition bottles that Chicken Cock used many, many years ago. And uh, the bourbon bottle and the rye bottle are the same bottle. You know, back then they were pint size. We just blew it up to a 750 milliliter. But you see that honeycomb embossing on the glass? Yeah. You know, so many people look at that and say, oh, has that got honey in it? I said, no, maybe it's chicken wire. Ah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you've got you've got more than one uh, embossed design, right? The other one uh, that's what we call a starburst pattern. The glass embossing is called a starburst pattern. Yeah. But the unique thing about it, uh, it has actually the old jigger cap on it, where you can unscrew it and use it as a shot glass. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember seeing these bottles in Bardstown at the Getz Museum. Uh, the original ones. They still have liquid in them, I think. And yes. Have you managed to get your hands on some old uh, pours of this and, and be able to taste what the original is I like? I have, and I think the founder did uh, early on when when uh, he was looking at acquiring the brand. Um, you know, that's what a lot of people say. You know, are, are you using the original mash bill? And unfortunately, when Madi acquired the brand in, in uh, I believe it was 2011, um, the, the brand actually sat idle for, for almost 60 years. Uh, the, the original distillery uh, that was making chicken cock actually had a fire in the 1950s and burned to the ground. So the company that owned it decided not to rebuild. And so the brand just sat idle. So so Marty was able to acquire the brand in 2011. But when he acquired it, he did a lot of research, went went down to Paris, Kentucky, where it originated and, and looked through the archives and and couldn't find the, um, the original mash bill. So when he asked me to serve in a role of master distiller and help him resurrect it, I just tried to come up with with a high rye high rye mash bill that would be indicative of that era. So yeah, well that's good. So I mean I mean I'm totally convinced that you know the whiskeys today are superior to what we had back then. Even though I'm sure the whiskey back then was very good, and would love to sit down at a bar and have a pour of some original chicken mm-hmm. cock out of an original chicken cock dusty bottle. Right. I would love to do that and be able to compare the two. But even then, you're not. After that many years in the bottle, you're not sure you're getting exactly what it was back then. And we all we often find with those dusty bottles that they don't age well. That can happen. Yeah. That can happen. Yeah. Every now and then you get lucky though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't want the mothballs. That's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah, I've had I've had a few bottles from the past that have been less than impressive, but I've had a couple that have just 
yeah, made, made me very happy. I, I got the bottle. So, but this is a beautiful thing, and I, I love the way you've brought back the you know the history of the brand and and the bottle design and all of that. And it, like I said, if you go to the museum, you're going to look at this on the shelf. And other than the label, it's going to look pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. That's and, correct. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, Brian, what do you think about the whiskey? I really like it. And something that I get kind of on the back end, uh, I feel like it is like it's sweet, uh, but I get a little bit of spice. So I like that. The uh, the nuttiness, I, I get a little bit of like cinnamon on it, but it's kind of a light cinnamon. But the oak on the palate is there is like so on the nose. I was getting that new and, and, the, and the more uh, mature oak on the nose, but. On the palate, I'm getting that nutty bourbon flavor a little bit. The fruit notes are a little bit there, and there's some sweetness, but the spice does come through on the back, but it's not like a heavy cinnamon or a heavy black pepper. It's kind of light. Yeah, I've heard all those comments and toastings I've done, you know, over the you know, throughout the country, over the over the, the world, actually. And, and, yeah, I mean, some people talk a little bit about the fruit, but it's more about the nuttiness, the oak-like tones that you get that come through pretty dominant. And then the sweetness of the caramel and vanilla that you're getting, you know, straight from the hemicellulose and lignin of the white oak itself. So, so you're doing a, a medium toast followed by a number three char. Actually, a medium plus toast, a little bit heavier. And one of the things, you know, I help these guys in, in West Virginia. So West Virginia Great Barrel Company is where we've been making our barrels, but I helped them design this, this toasting carousel, it's called. And the old style of toasting for for those bourbon distilleries that actually toast their barrel, you know, so I'd say eighty percent plus in Kentucky anyway. Their their specifications, barrel specifications, are no natural air drying, no toasting, and a number four level char, which is the heaviest char level. But when you do that, um, and they're making great whiskeys. Don't get me wrong; I'm not knocking anybody. But it's what I'm trying to do since we're so small is really pay attention to detail and create as much flavor as that barrel has to offer. If I have more flavor, as much flavor as that barrel has to offer, I can extract that amount of flavor in comparable time. I don't believe in accelerated maturation, but I believe that in four years plus, I can pull out so much more flavor. I taste our whiskey every six months. And in my opinion, our four-year-old is comparable to most six-year-olds. Because I've created that flavor, I'm able to extract it in that time frame. So, but I was talking about the specifications of no natural air drying, no toasting, number four level char. If you, when you do that, you get about an eighth of an inch of char on the inner surface of the barrel. And then just inside that char layer, you get about a sixteenth of an inch of what they call the red layer. It's the conversion of the hemicellulose and lignin that exist in white oak into the caramel and vanilla flavors. Okay. So essentially they've utilized three sixteenths of an inch of that wood. Well, that whiskey is going to soak at least a half inch into that stave, into that barrel. So there's five sixteenths of an inch. They haven't done anything with the flavor. So by natural air drying it, opening up the grain, allowing the tannic acid and bitter phenolic compounds to leach out of it during the, the natural air drying process, it opens up that grain to where when I heat it up and toast it, I can get that heat much deeper into the wood and convert as much of that hemicellulose and lignin there is to offer into the caramel and vanilla flavors. And then when I char it a number three level char you know i just created all this great flavor the last thing i want to do is burn Burn it away and so i'm only giving it just enough char to still serve its purpose the char a lot of people think the char gives it its flavor and color it may enhance the color a little bit but its primary purpose to work like a charcoal filter 
when you taste that whiskey, when it goes right into the barrel, you, know, you taste the, the grain, you taste the corn and the rye and the malted barley and the yeast. I mean, it, you can tell it's very dominant in the moonshine itself. But through the years of maturation, that whiskey pushing into the wood and back out and pushing into the wood and back out through the heat and the cold of the seasons and the day and night, uh, when it passes through that char layer, it strips that graininess flavor out and then starts picking up all those nice sweet caramel, vanilla flavors, the oak lactones and, and, and so forth, all the great flavors that that barrel has to offer. That's good stuff. That is good stuff I right there. It. Yes. I love it. Well, my glass is empty, Brian. How are you I, doing? You know how I am. I always yeah, I take know. a little sip after everybody else is done. I'm getting my last one. Well, that was a delightful bourbon. I really enjoyed it. I, I like it at 90 proof. I think you had the benefit of the knowledge of what it tasted like coming out of the barrel, and you made that choice as the master distiller, and nobody should second-guess you. I would love to try it at Barrel Proof, though, someday. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, someday, if you got time, uh, we'll run down to, to Bartstown, and uh, I'll let you sample. That's what I do. When I do VIP t- uh, tours down there, when we have like important customers are in town mm-hmm. or people looking to do barrel picks, which they're trying to do more and more of now, uh, you know, I give them the behind-the-scenes kind of VIP tour, which I'd love to take you guys someday and then i let them taste a, a progressional tasting i let them taste the, the distillate when it's cut to 125 proof right before it goes into the barrel and then taste it after it's a year old after two years old after three years old and then four years old so you, you, you can understand and fully taste the transformation that whiskey takes when it's in the barrel that would be so much fun oh yeah that would be amazing and that would be a phenomenal show. So let's think about that okay. in the future. Yeah. That would be really, really good. We'd love to meet you down there one day. For sure. Do that. And yeah. um, I'm not, I'm not pushing it on you, but if it sounds like fun, <laughs> let's do it. Well, that's a beauty. You guys are my backyard. So I'm in your backyard, <laughs> one of the two, but it, uh, it, we're close and it, it all works good. All right. Yeah. I well, do love some good distillate. Yeah. Me oh, too. I don't know what it is about it, but if I get a chance to taste any distillate, I get excited. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we're moving on to our next glass here. Okay. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? So this is uh, our chicken cock Kentucky straight rye whiskey. Now, um, I think I mentioned you guys previously, you know, I've for 10 years of my 45 years, I was the vice president of Austin Nichols and the managing director at Wild Turkey Distillery. And, and we made a rye whiskey back then. Didn't make a lot of it. Um and it just it had a bitterness, a harshness that I didn't care for. It had like 35% corn in the mash bill. And so when we decided to come out with a rye for chicken cock, you know, uh, I started doing some research. And some of these 95 fives out there, 95 rye, 5% malted barley, I thought were fantastic. So I kind of adopted that mash bill. And then I kind of tweaked some of the work instructions as far as the time and temperatures of cooking and and, uh, and the enzymes and yeast. And of course, the barrels are, are unique in themselves. Uh, but I think we came out with a fantastic rye. We get so many accolades from, from this rye. And um, I do tastings all over the country. And, and so many people come up to, oh, I'm a bourbon drinker. I, I don't drink rye. And I said, well, try a sample. It's free. I guarantee 80% of them are bought, you know, sold over. I said, wow, I didn't sure. think rye could taste like that. And so it's it's kind of unique, but it's, it's fun to see people uh, react the way they do and uh, and actually kind of kind of turn on the rye a little bit. Yeah. So All right. Well, let's check it out. Jim knows it's always a challenge to... To get me going on the rise. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's coming over to the I dark. Am, he's get, coming get, over to the dark side. I'm getting there. <laughs> Cheers. So, yeah, I mean, give it a nose. It is there. I mean, the spicy and peppery nose really oh, come yeah. out in the nose. Oh, yeah. Nice and fresh. Nice and uh, very floral and uh, herbaceous kind of. Uh, um, I'm trying to think of what the prominent. I mean, it's clearly a rye. 
I'm going to say anise with a little bit of uh, like a juniper berry. Yeah, yeah, I've heard both both those terms yeah. and tastings I've done. My nose, I don't really pick up the anise because I'm I'm not really anise type of lover, I guess. But yeah. uh, so I, I've tried to steer away from that. But yeah, I, I get a little bit of the, again the spicy, the peppery notes is re- really yeah. I think finer or dominant in in this this rye that uh, that actually shine through on the palate. Very as well. clean, very crisp. Oh yeah, I like. That. I think I think it's definitely. Some people clean. say citrus; they may get a little citrus out of it, you know. But I can see that. I can see that more of a, not so much of like an orange citrus, but more of like a, like a lime citrus or lime or lemon citrus. Yeah. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, that's a sweet wash. Wow. On the palate. I mean, it's just really the the caramel and and the, the, you really get the, the flavors from the barrel really on the back end of the, the the tongue. It's it's nice, sweet, long Yeah. First impression is very nice. Uh, Almost candy sweetness that comes across. Not quite candy yet, but it's getting there. This is going to be, they say this is about a four-year-old as well, right? Or a little bit older? Actually, no. You know, I tell, I, people ask me, I said, well, how old is this? And I said, well, you tell me. How old do you think it is? And so many people say, oh, it's four to six years old. This rye, if you look at the back of the, the label, on the back label by the UPC, it says aged at least two years. This was actually a two-and-a-half-year-old Wow. When, when it was dumped. But- uh, that's uniqueness when you, when you prepare the barrel properly mm-hmm. and create as much extractable, the rye grain will tend to extract the, the flavor and absorb the flavor much quicker than than uh, than bourbon, say predominantly corn grain. Yeah, right. We know that ryes can reach that. Um let's just call it drinkable state much faster mm-hmm. uh, than a rye bourbon can, and even even much more faster than a wheat bourbon can. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, for for the two and a half year old rye, this definitely drinks like uh, something over four years. So very nice. Um, I I think it does come back and give you a little bit of that dry spice on the back end. Mm -hmm. I like that. The freshness that you get on the nose doesn't really translate a lot. You get more pepper, I think, on the palate than well, I do. I get more pepper on the palate. Where I got a little bit different on the nose. But. I tend to agree with you. Yeah, you pick up the pepper a little bit on the nose, but on the on in the mouth, it really has a nice mouthfeel, but it has a, that little bit of peppery uh, heat to it. Yeah, I like it. I think you guys are starting to convert me over a little bit. <laughs> it, it almost drinks like it's chilled. You know, I mean, it's, it does. Yeah, I, I really does. like that. I, I don't know that I've called that out on a on a whiskey before that it take that it drinks like it's chilled, but this one does. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Well, congratulations on uh, a very interesting rye, a very interesting young rye. My goodness. That is crazy. I, I'll agree. <laughs> it is like this, uh, what did you just say, fresh? Uh, chilled? Chilled. Yeah. I would I would totally agree. Well, we know it's the same temperature as the bourbon. They came right. in the same it's, box. and Yeah, so it's not going to be even one degree difference. It's but, impressive. Yeah. I like it. So you've told us a little bit about uh, the history of the company. You've told us a little bit about your history and and the founder's vision and your vision when you started the company. In the second half, we definitely like to talk a little bit more about uh, kind of the things you have going on and kind of the new things you might have coming up. Uh, we're going to take a short break here, but as we uh, sip on the remainder of this whiskey, we'll have our listeners stick around because in the second half, we're going to talk about 
the new stuff that's coming out of chicken cotton. Okay. We're going okay. to hit on some uh, some other, two more expressions, and we'll talk about some events you're going to be at. We're going to talk about all kinds of great stuff. Folks, stick around. Blanton's Bourbon Shop has got you covered. All of their handcrafted wood products are made in their in-house wood shop with authentic bourbon barrels. Specializing in barrel-aged potent treats, they use Blanton's barrels to age their own maple syrup, honey, and coffee. Find the most unique gift ideas for your golf lover, cigar connoisseur, avid coffee drinker, and Blanton's fan. Want to win an authentic Blanton's barrel head? Make sure you sign up for the giveaway on the homepage of their website. Blantonsbourbonshop.com is your home for all Blanton's gifts. As we mentioned earlier in the show, we hope you'll join us this fall on October 6th and 7th for Bourbon on the Banks. The festival itself is from 2 to 6 p.m. on October the 7th. And you can pick those tickets up at bourbononthebanks.org for $65. They also have an early access ticket for $75. It'll get you in an hour early and definitely get you access to some special pours. But if you always like that VIP access, this year they're bringing in the VIP access tickets. We'll give you access to their VIP tent and all the great things that go along with that for $175. Be sure to check out bourbononthebanks.org. You'll get all the details on this year's event. All right, listeners, so we are back. We managed to get through the last of that rye whiskey. Uh, Definitely a special rye, an interesting rye, a rye that is um, beyond its years just a little bit. Wouldn't you say, Brian? I would agree. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. And for both those bottles we tried in the first half, what's what's the price point on the shelf for those, the bourbon and the rye? So, yeah, it'll vary depending state to state and market to market. But but typically, the suggested retail price on the bourbon uh, for years was, well, when we came out with it, was, was $59.99. And the rye was always $10 more, $69.99. But just here recently in the last week or so, actually, the company had a, a price realignment. And so both of them price line, both of them now retail, including the rye, fifty nine ninety nine. So well, that's good news for the rye drinkers, right? Absolutely, and, absolutely, and, and bourbon drinkers as well, because they can they can probably grab them both, right? Yeah, for sure, absolutely. So we've got another whiskey in our glass, and uh, this is, uh, this is our third whiskey of the show. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Okay, so this next one we're going to taste. This is our chicken cock eight year old double oak whiskey. Now. A little backstory to this one. In 2014, this was, this was actually made in 2014. In 2014, there was a barrel a barrel shortage, and so a lot of people. I mean, today's whiskey drinkers are so much more knowledgeable, so a lot of people know this. But if they don't, our government defines what a bourbon whiskey is. Number one, it has to have 51 percent corn in the mash bill. Number two, it can't be distilled higher than 160 proof. Number three, it has to be aged in a new charred oak barrel. 
It actually says container, but they mean barrel, oak barrel. And number four, it can't go into a barrel higher than 125 proof. So if it meets those four criteria and is made in the United States of America, not just Kentucky, anywhere in the United States of America, you can call it bourbon whiskey. This whiskey was made in 2014, and there was a barrel shortage. What happened was in the fall of 2013, the winter of 13 and the 14, and then in the spring of 2014, we had so much rain east of the Mississippi, the ground was saturated. So the loggers had a heck of a time getting in the woods to harvest enough white oak to supply the industry. So long about 2000, or September of 2014, there were no more new barrels to be had. The, the cooperages were sold out. I mean, they had customers that had orders, and they were still supplying those orders. But a lot of distilleries still needed barrels, and they couldn't buy new barrels. So they had made all this bourbon sitting in tanks. They had all their grain silos full of grain. They had the supply chain of trucks coming with grain. They had employees that had to work. And so they kept making whiskey, which they thought was going to be bourbon whiskey. But since they didn't have new barrels, they had to put it in a used barrel. So they couldn't call it bourbon whiskey. Well, in 2021, seven years later, this whiskey was seven years old, Mahdi, our founder, um, he was able to acquire a couple of truckloads of this whiskey. And he was going to come out with a, another rendition and give us a water, you know, wider presence on the shelf. He was going to call it Chicken Cot Kentucky Straight Whiskey, seven years old. And so he bought them and he asked me to taste it. And I tasted it. And I said, you know, I'm sorry, Mahdi, this does not meet our criteria for bringing the brand back to its high quality prominence. It's just too green. Needs more flavor. So we discussed the options and, and what we decided on, we bought some new barrels. This is in 2021 now. So we bought some new barrels and we put the seven-year-old whiskey back into a new barrel. Where it should have gone in the first place. Well, <laughs> it was intended to go in, in the first <laughs> place. Just things yeah. happen and, and it didn't quite get there, unfortunately, because of market conditions. But so we put it in a new barrel and then we put those barrels on the top floor, the seventh floor of, of the warehouses there in Bardstown, where we age our whiskey. Well, last summer, if you recall, we had a hot summer. We had 85 mm -hmm. days where the temperatures exceeded 90 degrees Fahrenheit in Kentucky. And a lot of people said, man, it's just been an extremely hot, miserable, hot summer. So, no, it's a great summer. It's, it's aging whiskey like crazy. I mean, it's pushing that whiskey deep into that wood and pulling out as much flavor. Well, this whiskey actually sat in those barrels right at 18 months, a year and a half. And so I, I would taste it periodically. After a year and a half, said, it's ready. So we picked up so much more flavor. And so we, we dumped those barrels uh, and actually started bottling it last December. Uh, didn't really hit the, the shelf until early this year, but it's selling like crazy. I mean, it's, it's so popular. It, now it's our chicken cock, eight-year-old double oak whiskey. So bourbons that are finished in a secondary barrel, uh, double barreled, whatever you want to call it, um, 18 months seems like a long time. You know, it, it's all relative, um, depending on the whiskey. Because again, this had a lot of great base and a lot of a lot of flavor, but it just didn't have the flavor, in my opinion, to really qualify as a high quality whiskey. It and just these were medium plus toasted. They weren't. Three, no, unfortunately, these barrels that we had to buy for the double oak were just some that we were able to purchase off the open market. Were they toasted barrels? They weren't. They were actually uh, uh, standard. Um, uh, like number four char. Number four char. Yeah, okay. Exactly. All right. Exactly. Well, you know, that that probably, actually, I'm thinking that was probably a good thing. It could have been. Yeah. yeah. The fact that the whiskey already had some some oak, you know, seven years of oak 
touching it for for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, may have softened it a little bit just to to uh, uh, to you know kind of take a lot of the flavors that the oak elements would would provide to begin with. So now how long has this been available? Uh, actually, early this year okay. is when it so, actually okay. hit the market. So we've got some listeners out there that have had this already. So. I think so. Quite a few, actually. Yeah. I've, I've been doing a lot of uh, traveling, uh, you know, promoting the brand in various uh, markets, various states, and, and it's it's extremely popular. And this is 92 proof. So this is 92 proof. That's okay. correct. As we mm-hmm. talked earlier, you know, I kind of try to find the sweet spot before we actually bottle it to, sure. to where the alcohol burn subsides and really allows the flavors to overtake the profile. Are you ready? I am ready. My friend, are you ready? I am ready. (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) Definitely ready. Cheers, folks. Cheers. Wow. So what are you getting on that nose? A little bit of like a baking spice, a nutty baking spice nose to it. Um, I, I never can like pick out specific ones like nutmeg or mace or things. I, I guess I can if I really wanted to, but um, I always get mixed up in my head a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, definitely a little bit of the nutty, nuttiness uh, for me. And then, uh, but it does have a little bit, of, a little bit of that uh, rye popping through a little rye muffin, I would say dark, dark fruits. Yeah. I've heard that comment quite often, actually. Nothing real specific for me. I don't, I don't, I can't like put my finger on one little thing and say, I I'm think get, that's I'm getting, It's I'm got getting, a little bit, a little complexity of a lot of different things, yeah. actually. I was going to say rich. I mean, I, yeah. I feel like there's a lot going on there. I mean, it's very pleasing. It's inviting. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you say it's a cereal. It's, 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 it's raisin bread. No, no, it's special K with red berries. <laughs> Jim, kind of Jim's go to. We haven't hit it today. Is the the whorehound? Yeah, candy. That's the. Well, this is definitely not that. <laughs> but the nose is very, very interesting. This is a this is something. This is a Sherlock Holmes kind mm-hmm. of kind of nose. You know, you got to yeah. really search for it. You yeah. got to uncover what it is. Well, that's what it can be. Kind of, uh, I don't know. Um, kind of a mystery because you know what your nose and your palate don't always speak the same language sometimes especially on whiskey you know yeah and i'm getting a little mm-hmm. bit older i mean I'm, I'm 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 starting to lose a little bit of that i'm just being honest with you folks you don't you don't keep you don't keep that <laughs> hey, stuff what's the age thing easy now come on <laughs> you don't keep that stuff forever my my uh i you know i i, I was telling the story i was i played softball about six or seven years ago and and this was well after i should have been stopped playing softball and i played softball and i actually hit the ball and i actually got a hit and i was like wow i threw the bat down and i took off running and i i went straight down and hit the ground oh and the the reason i went down and hit the ground was because my brain remembered how to run, but my legs didn't. And, I just, and so it's kind of the same with, with this whiskey. You know, my brain is telling me I'm getting all these notes, but is my, am I really? Am I really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is good. I want to taste it. Cheers. 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 Now that's a sweet surprise. Yes. What I tell you, it, it's kind of, you know, conceiving a little bit. It just, it doesn't, it, it just, the nose doesn't always talk the same language as the palate. When it hits the palate, it's a wow, my, the flavors just pop. My goodness. I'm just going to say cherry. Yeah. Yep. Cherry. Yep. yep. I've heard that many, many times. Yeah. I think, I think I wow. would go along with that. And, and definitely a nice, super sweet wash on the palate. There. Oh, yeah. You, 
it's um and you get a little bit of that kind of a little bit of that campfire marshmallow i've heard that yeah just i've a, heard just that. a little yeah. bit though let me go back kind of s'mores mm-hmm. but cherry for sure you you nailed that one brian that's that is very good very good i like that a lot so where does this bottle sit price point? So this one actually is uh, ninety nine. Okay, and, yeah. and, and I would imagine I, I would expect this one to be a little more expensive. It cost you a lot more to produce. It did. I mean, to to buy a, 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 as many new barrels to to mm-hmm. remature it in, you know, to give it the second oak aging. Yeah, uh, that's not cheap. Where's that old general rule? You know, ten dollars a year, right? You've heard that a million times, haven't you? And then. <laughs> Plus the secondary barrel, right? So there you go. Now you now you're at a hundred bucks. So that that's, I think it's a fair price. An eight year old whiskey that has gone through a process like that, and and so this is this is an American whiskey, absolutely. And it's, uh, yeah. If it weren't for that original barrel. It would be qualified as a bourbon. Well, you know, that's an interesting question because I had a conversation here about three weeks ago. There was another podcaster out of Chicago who I've got to be good friends with. And we were chatting one day via text message. And his comment was, is that actually the TTB, the Tax and Trade Bureau, changed the, the, the rule or, I guess, clarified the rule that this could be considered a bourbon. If you look at the criteria, remember I said, you know, the, the four criteria and the one being it has to be aged in a new charred barrel or new charred uh, oak container, basically what it says, if you read it verbatim. Well, it doesn't say, does it have to be aged in that new charred barrel the first time or the second time? And a lot of companies, I guess, were pushing back against the TTB. Okay. And he was telling me that TTB came around and clarified that this actually could be called a bourbon. Now, that's not the way I grew up. I'm sorry. I I started <laughs> when the, the the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms were still, uh, you know, uh, in charge of things. And and uh, and our, the rules were the rules. And uh, so I guess there's been enough pushback from from other companies uh, to get them to, to second guess it. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. I haven't personally looked and, or looked up or seen the change, but he was telling me that uh, based on the, the latest regulations that we could actually call this a bourbon, but it doesn't say that on the label. That's, I call a, it a that's an interesting, very that's interesting, a, very interesting piece. And listeners, I hope you caught that. That's just really cool. So yeah, <laughs> it's still, it still entered a new oak barrel. It just didn't enter that barrel first. <laughs> it went into a yeah. used barrel. And then I, you know, I, I applaud you for calling it an American whiskey because I think that was probably the best default position to take. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in Again, I've been doing this over 45 years, and that's the way I was brought up. Yeah. If it's going to be bourbon whiskey, once it comes off the still, it has to go in a new barrel. Now, yeah. that's not the way it clearly states it in the regs, mm-hmm. but that's the way the regs are always determined. And, uh, you know, as, as time goes on, we have so many new people and new distilleries in, in this industry. And and so, uh, you know, there's there's people that like to push the envelope as far as they can. And so, uh, you know, <laughs> good luck, more power. But I know well, as long as, as long yeah, as yeah. stated on the on the bottle and make it clear right. to the consumer so that they can make up their own mind. As long as you like it, that's right. As long as you like it, as long as you like it, exactly. You just hate to buy something and feel misled, right? That's the real problem. I guarantee you, that's something I am very adamant about. I I believe in transparency. You know, there's a lot of times where I have to sign a non-disclosure agreement where I can't really answer questions of people because I signed an NDA. But I'll I'll be as transparent as the day is long as 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 long as I can legally Mm -hmm. do it. So. 
So these three whiskeys we've tried, your bourbon, your rye, and your double oak, these these three constitute your core line of products that are on the shelf. What we currently have on the shelf, that is correct. Mm-hmm. That's our core line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, I know one of the things we talked about a little bit earlier, of course, was the bottle. But something we didn't touch on was the name. So yeah. where where did the name come from? So that's a great question. I get that question asked so many times when I do tastings. And, you know, a lot of people find it humorous, some, you know, uh, uh, some not so humorous, some are offended by it. But, you know, <laughs> the name is what it is. I didn't create it. Uh, the brand originated in Paris, Kentucky in 1856. A gentleman by the name of James A. Miller built this distillery in Paris. And as the story goes, he was making a whiskey he was so proud of, he felt it was worth crying about. So that's why he called it chicken cock whiskey. Well, you got to remember, 1856, Americans were still using the old English language. And the term for a male chicken was a cock. The term rooster didn't come about to the late 1800s, early 1900s. So that's where the brand actually got its name. But it had a, a high quality reputation. Uh, you know, the brand flourished and was doing well up until 1920. And when 1920 hit, so did Prohibition. And like so many other distilleries, they shut it down shut the story down, and they sold the brand to a company up in Montreal, Canada, who made a Canadian rye whiskey, and they would bottle that rye whiskey under the chicken cock label, but then they would take that bottle, and they sealed it in a tin can. That tin can protected the bottle when they bootleg it back across the border. It showed up in a lot of speakeasies, but one of chicken cock whiskey's claims to fame, it was the actual house whiskey at the Cotton Club in Harlem, New York during the Roaring Twenties. You know, a lot of the big band air, Louis Armstrong and Duke Ellington. Well, there, there was a, a book written by Duke Ellington or about Duke Ellington is, in his memoirs. He talks about his favorite whiskey being chicken cock whiskey. They called it the tin can whiskey back then. Well, to get an appreciation for how serious you know, uh, prohibition was. Um, and if you had the means and, and could enjoy a glass of, of good whiskey at the cotton club, a pint of chicken cock at the cotton club sold for $14 back in the 1920s. And have you, have you done the math? To That's equivalent what- to $140 today for a pint of whiskey. Wow. Yeah. So gives you a, a appreciation for <laughs> what it took to, to enjoy a, a glass of whiskey back during Prohibition. But the brand did great, uh, you know, was, was well known at the Cotton Club. And then uh, about two years before Prohibition was repealed, uh, National Distillers bought the brand back. They owned a subsidiary that actually had the financial means to own a medicinal alcohol permit. So uh, they started the story back up in Paris and they were making medicinal alcohol the last two years of Prohibition. Of course, 1933 hits, Prohibition was repealed, and the brand flourished. It did great. Uh, flourished up until the 1950s. Had a high-quality name. And in the 1950s, distillery suffered a fire, burnt to the ground, and the company that owned it decided not to rebuild. So the brand just sat idle. Well, fast forward 60 years later, in 2011, Marty Antela, who we talked about earlier, uh, Marty's the founder of Grain and Barrel Spirit. Small company. They don't own a distillery, don't own any operational assets. They needed cash flow. So when he was able to acquire Chicken Cock Whiskey, you know, he was, he was, found the, he was researching for whiskey and found the, the story and history interesting. So he, he bought the brand rights. And in 2012, Chicken Cock was back on the shelf. But what he was able to do, he was able to source some young whiskey, six-month-old whiskey, he put it in an aluminum bottle and he flavored it. They had a root beer flavor. They had cinnamon flavor. It had several different flavors. It served its purpose. It created cash flow, but it didn't help the quality reputation the brand was known for for many, many years. And so um, 
a couple years later, he came out with a chicken cock heritage, which was a bourbon and chicken cock bootlegger, uh, which was a bourbon rye blend. But again, it was six-month-old whiskey. If you wanted to mix it, drink with it, it was fine. But it wasn't the high-quality whiskey that uh, the chicken cock was known for, for for so many years. So, again, I've been in the business 45 years. 2017, I started my consulting company. And as I mentioned earlier, Grain and Barrel was one of my first clients. And then Marty came to me that one day and said, hey, you know, uh, I'd like to resurrect chicken cock back to Kentucky and bring it back to its high-quality prominence. Would you help me do that and serve in the role of master distiller? And that's when I told him, sure, I'll do it on one condition. You stop buying this young crap and everything we do, our objective is focused on bringing this brand back to its high quality promise. So again, we touched on that a little bit earlier in, in the first half, but I, uh, uh, I think it's important because, um, you know, the brand is resurrected back to Kentucky now. I think we're well on our way with some, some very high quality products and, and, you know, paying attention to detail given, you know, giving, mm -hmm. I guess, consumers the, the quality of whiskey they deserve. So. Pretty proud about that. And I well, think you touched on the detail earlier, just your process. I mean, all the way from the Coopers all the way down. I mean, you definitely watch every step and you're there to make sure that it's going to be the quality that you're looking for. So uh, very, very cool that you have that opportunity to see it start to finish and, and make sure that it hits the vision that you have. Yeah, you're right, but it's a great opportunity. I'm very thankful for it. And, uh, uh, but again, it's, uh, this industry has been awfully good to, to me and my family over the years. And, uh, you know, you, you try to, to pay back a little bit along mm -hmm. the way and, and hopefully consumers are, are getting to enjoy some of that payback right now. So, well, fellas, what do you say we try that number four bottle? <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> so this is something special. Very special. Like, like this is really special. And you told us before the show that we're kind of a, we're kind of a first. You are. Uh, this is the first time that we've tasted this whiskey on a podcast. It is, uh, it's not even bottled yet. So I, I actually had a sample there when uh, we set this up uh, for me to come over and, and chat with you guys and, and uh, do this podcast. You know, I said, you know what? I'm going to take something special I think they might like. And so this is actually being bottled uh, towards the end of this month, actually. This is going to be our third in the line of a series of 310 series. Uh, in 2021, early 22, we came out with the first in a line of uh, what we call our, our collector's 10 series. Uh, it was a chicken cock cotton club. Um, the founder of the company, this was his baby, actually. I didn't have much to do with it. Um, he wanted to pay homage to the brand back 100 years ago during the 1920s when the brand was the house whiskey at the Cotton Club. So he did some research. He found some 20-year-old Canadian rye whiskey. And uh, he was able to acquire that whiskey. It wasn't cheap, uh, which kind of pushes the, the price up a little bit. But uh, he was able to acquire it. And so we, we bottled it at 100 proof, the same proof as it was served back in the 1920s. And we put it in a commemorative tin can, very similar, same same color scheme as the uh, the original tin can. And then in 2022, last year, we came out with our second in the series of three. It was called our Chicken Cock Chanticleer. Chanticleer is French for rooster. But this is our bourbon that I finished in French cognac barrels. 
amazing. It actually uh, uh, won a, a double gold at San Francisco Whiskey Competition this year. The one that we just tried, actually, the um, the Chicken Cock Eight Year Old Double Oak, it won a double platinum at the American Spirits Award and the Ascots Awards here recently. So uh, uh, very proud about the accolades that they, they've achieved as well. But the Chicken Cock Chanticleer, it's uh, it's actually 112 proof. And again, I'm very careful about finishing whiskeys in a secondary barrel. I don't want the the finishing barrel to really overpower the, the, the integrity and the character of the base whiskey. So I'm, I'm very cautious about that. Um, and so with cognac, especially, man, you got to be real careful. Cognac is so powerful, sure. so mm-hmm. overpowering. So uh, when we bought the, uh, the French cognac barrels, uh, the broker we bought them through shipped up some 225 liters, but also shipped up some 300 liters. So that just totally screwed up my uh, calculation of, of liquid to wood ratio. And so I had to kind of uh, do a little more trial and error, a little more tasting than I would have normally planned. But, you know, that's a tough part of the job that, uh, <laughs> right. you know, you don't complain about too much. So. Right. But um, actually, truth be known, it stayed in those cognac barrels anywhere from a month and a half up to four months and got the right amount of flavor when we blended it all together and and bottled it 112 proof. Fantastic. It's so good. So now this one that we're about to taste, this is a third. We're coming out with this fall. It should hit the market OND, October, November, December. Um, But this is called our Chicken Cock Red Stave. Now, this is our bourbon that I finished in Petite Syrah barrels. This Petite Syrah, it's actually uh, the, the Miller Winery in, in uh, Central Central Coast, California. They have a fantastic Petite Syrah. Well, I don't know if you guys are into wines much at all, but their, their Petite Syrah is phenomenal. So we were able to, uh, we swapped some bourbon barrels for some, some, uh, some Petite Syrah barrels. And you can look at the color alone. It's got that little reddish mm-hmm. hue to it already. Got a nice, rich color to it. But uh, this is actually being bottled. Again, it's going to be bottled later this month. So this is the first time anybody's tasted it on a podcast. And I'm glad uh, I could bring it tonight. But it's 102.4 proof was a sweet spot on this one. And so um, that's a nice proof those, point. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, nice. You know, again, we we did a lot of lab, lab samples to come up with the final proof. But this was the sweet spot I felt that really, you know, again, the, the, allowed the flavors to really – I guess, mandate the, the profile yeah. without over diluting it, you know, and we could have knocked it down and got a lot more bottles out of the same barrels, but no, again, our objective is to bring the brand back to its high quality prominence. And so it's, 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 it's important to find the sweet spot. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, wow. wow. The nose is definitely, you can definitely get the, get the impact mm-hmm. of those barrels. Yeah. That second barrel yeah. finish. The color is like a deep red amber. It's beautiful. Looks like almost like a a red Irish ale. You know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's it does. a good analogy, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. To me, that's that's a mahogany if there ever was mahogany. Right? That's, yeah. that's a great word. Yeah. That's, that's right on the button. Yeah, you know, we've had some lower compared to this. We've had some lower proof whiskeys tonight. We've been in the ninety proof range, right? And now we're we're at one hundred three. 102.4 102.4 yeah. and you can definitely you definitely get the impact a little bit from the higher proof there yeah i mean the nose is phenomenal it is really really good phenomenal it, it definitely i mean i'm not a wine drinker oh I, I do drink wine but i i don't know a lot about wines and i i can definitely i get the wine on the nose i get mm-hmm. the the richness from the wine the the 
the bold, you know, that bold, deep richness right. you get from a from a, a wine. Now, tell us about a Syrah wine for those of us who are not wine people. What 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 characteristics are in a Syrah? So wine? this is actually a Petite Syrah. Petite Syrah and Syrah are actually two different grape varietals. You know, a lot of people get those confused, but this is a Petite Syrah. It's a little smaller grape and, and versus Syrah, but the flavors are, are similar. Um, definitely a bold red wine, but not as bold as, say, a, a, a red Zinfandel or, or a Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, a little milder, softer in flavor. Um, I think probably bold, definitely bolder than a Merlot, let's say, if, if for okay. those people that are wine drinkers and kind of understand the comparison. You know, when I was in the barrel industry uh, working for Brown Foreman, we not only made whiskey barrels, we made a lot of wine barrels. So I spent quite a bit of time in Napa and Sonoma and California and Australia and a few other uh, wine regions. And so I got a, a fond appreciation for the different wines and, and the variations of wines. And so that kind of helps when, when you're trying to do some innovative things about, okay, how can we pair this whiskey with this product to really come up? with something unique and and so you know i wanted to get a little little fruitiness into it a little jamminess maybe uh on the finish and so i was going to say preserves jam it yeah. definitely has that 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 fruit preserve jam kind of nose to it i'm ready to taste it though. i'm ready to taste it cheers well that is uh that's deep, rich. Um, viscous. Definitely um, not overly sweet, but it has like a really nice darker fruit and a palette to it. I It's almost a little drying on the back, but like a... Like, like you might get from a bold red wine, like a, a, a little bit more of a, I'm not going to call it tannic because it's not tannic, but no. it kind of reminds you that that might be coming, but it doesn't. The dryness a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Just a little yeah. bit dry, but not, yeah. not, not too dry. You still get the, the, the sweetness coming through as well of, of the, the fruit itself and the wine. So the one thing that I'll say, I just watched Jim taste this. Oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and we all know what the Kentucky Chew is. We all kind of get that. I've never seen it more pronounced from you tasting something <laughs> until we did this. It, it, I think I think the amount of chewing is triggered by the viscosity, right? The thicker mm -hmm. it feels on the palate, the more yeah. you tend to want to chew it, on it. It's, it's got good. that thick, thicker mouth feel, and like you said, the, the chewiness of it. it really, the vis viscosity is is it's definitely there. Just. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a this is a premium to ultra premium whiskey. No doubt, definitely. I I taste this and I say, you know, you're not going to find this on the middle shelf. You're not going to find this on the top shelf. You're going to find this in the glass case. It is so unique. Yeah, so unique, different yeah. than anything I've ever had. Oh, I could. Yeah, I could definitely. Brian, we need a, we need a bottle of this. Sit out on the yeah. back porch and just. If you like wine and you like whiskey, this is it. <laughs> it's a great. It is a great compliment to both. I'm telling yeah. you, it, uh, it it really shines through. And again, not overpowering with the wine, but you can still mm -hmm. you know maintain the integrity and character of the bourbon that, that's in it, but just enough t flavor to enhance it to to a different level. Man, I can almost get like the 
the grape skins. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was going to say the same. Like, I'm really reaching for it. And yeah. it's, I mean, because it's just. You know, when you finish eating a grape and you still have the grape skin and you're sort of chewing on it a little bit and you get that. Yeah, this is really nice. This is a treat. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, this oh, is this is not pleasure. this is not something you're going to experience every day. This is something that you're going to uh, mm-hmm. break out and enjoy with friends on a rare occasion. Uh, I'm excited about it. I, again, I think it actually sat in those barrels uh, uh, right at a year, actually, in the Petite Syrah. So it took a while. And again, unlike the, the, the French cognac finish, you know, cognac being such a powerful spirit, it didn't stay in the barrels near as long. And this one, uh, uh, it... Uh, Definitely took a little time to pull out enough flavor to enhance the characters of, of the bourbon itself. But it, I'm so pleased with it. Again, being the third rendition of our, our 310 series, I think for collectors who are out there, uh, there's a f- few of the Cotton Club left. They're going fast. But if, if there's collectors out there that don't have them yet, I think uh, they need to, to start looking around and and get it. Because this one here, it's uh, I'm, I'm expecting... Uh, high marks in, in a lot of the the um, award competitions uh, across the country. So we'll see. Well, folks, if you're listening to this podcast and you're just curious about these tens, uh, they'll be in our social media posts. But you can also go uh, to the Chickencock website. I'm sure there's plenty of photos of them there. Uh, but the tens themselves were introduced during Prohibition to sort of help the bottles survive. Uh, bootlegging. Is that what was you were the saying. initial tin. Yeah, yeah. They were well, probably wasn't, a little bit sturdier tin than what, what we have today. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they were definitely uh, served a purpose. So ten, ten, ten whiskeys were kind of very common during bootlegging days. I think during, so during yeah. prohibition yeah. days. And Brian, you've you've been able to play around with a few of those, haven't you? I have. Uh, fortunately, I have over the years, and. Uh, I'll actually I'll share a video with you later, Greg. Oh, cool! That, that you'll you'll really cool. appreciate with then. Well, I'm 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 pleasantly surprised by this. I'm delighted by it. I'm glad I got to try it. Um, for these premium whiskeys, people should expect a premium price for sure. And and again, these things are going to be different depending on where you are. But where might our listeners expect to find these bottles? So where can they find it? Uh, I'm sorry, or, not but, where, but, but uh, what price range? So, so yeah, so the uh, the Chanticleer, I think it's uh, currently priced at, at two ninety nine. We actually had a price reduction to try to to help the market. I think uh, we had some some high pricing that that kind of. Uh, prohibited sales uh, because people love the whiskey, but sometimes, you know, it's not for everybody. You can't afford that kind of whiskey. So we kind of had a recent price adjustment here within the last week or so. Uh, so the, the Chanticleer is now uh, priced at two ninety nine, and then the Red Stave, I believe, is coming out at one ninety nine. Okay. Well. Yeah. Well, this is uh, this at one ninety nine. I think this might be a bottle I'll pick up because yeah. I really, really like this. Absolutely. And, and I, I wouldn't. I don't think I would share it with just anybody. I think I would share it with somebody who could really appreciate it. I certainly wouldn't want to go through a bottle in a night or a weekend. I'd want to make it last as long as possible. <laughs> you know, when when you pay that kind of money for a bottle, and, and not everybody can, but mm-hmm. uh, when you're able to pay for a bottle that costs, you know, hundreds of dollars, uh, you want to enjoy it. You want to enjoy it over time. You want to share it with as many people as possible. And I think... Um, Real whiskey connoisseurs will appreciate this one for sure. 
I think so. Again, I, it's there's a lot of tender, loving care that went into all these these products, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's hard to put a, a price tag on that sometimes. But uh, I think um, competitively speaking, comparatively speaking. I think uh, they're, they're priced right now, and and I think hopefully the more people can enjoy them. So, yeah this this is a very impressive release here. I I can't wait. I'll definitely pick it up as well. And you know, it's uh, I know you have different types of drinkers out there and collectors. We kind of believe in something here in the Bourbon Road. Open the damn bottle. We don't we don't have any bottles that we don't open. Um, and this is one of those that I agree with Jim. Like I will share it with a lot of folks, but uh, definitely not one that I will rush through in a weekend. Yeah, it's funny. I I do bottle signing events and I, you know, people say, oh, I'll, I'll never open that bottle. I say, you know what? Whiskey's made to drink. You know, that, that signature, 20 years from now, you know, that signature and a $20 bill will get you a small cup of coffee at Starbucks. So, you know, enjoy the whiskey. Drink the whiskey. And if you want to save mm-hmm. the bottle, great, but drink the whiskey. Fill it up yeah. with iced tea yeah. and put it back on the shelf. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Greg, tell us a little bit about the distribution and, and where people can expect to find uh, chicken cock. Well, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's been moving so fast. Um, around the time that the COVID hit, we were selling in about 12 to 14 states, southeastern states primarily. And a year and a half later, we were in 42 states. And I think right now we're in all but maybe two states. We're still working on those two. But um so it's it's across the country, mm-hmm. literally. Uh, here locally in, in the Kentucky region, uh, I know uh, you know liquor barns definitely have it. Total Wine has it. Uh, all the Cox Liquors uh, stores have it. I've done a numerous tastings and bottle signings with the folks at, at uh, Cox Livers, which uh, liquors, which is also Evergreen. So I'm, I've got a mm-hmm. couple more lined up here very soon. Going to do some with Liquor Barn. So, uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's spread throughout uh, you know Kentucky and and Southern Indiana as well. You're not sold internationally yet. Internationally, no. Okay. Actually, there are some products that are, are going over international, but but not the core products that we're we're doing right here. Yeah. Okay. Well, listeners, that that kind of means if you're if you're hearing this podcast and you're here in the U.S., you can probably get it in your state. There might be a couple uh, locations that are difficult, but pretty much nationwide. Or you can go online too if you, if you can if if you can um, if your state allows you know uh, shipments, yeah. then uh, you can go online as well to uh, to buy the, the you know www.chickencockwhiskey.com. So, so you've got some events coming up. I know you're going to be a uh, the Kentucky Bourbon Festival. Kentucky Bourbon Festival, for sure. Yeah, that's uh, we got, and got involved with that uh, three years ago. So this will be the third year in a row that we're involved with that. And, of course, me personally, I I went to the very first bourbon festival, uh, you know, back in uh, in the early 90s, actually, when uh, when they first started. And uh, it's, it's a great event. It's it's changed over the years, you know. The the, the current format is is uh, much different than it used to be, but but very high quality. Yeah, uh, they do a great job. And and if anybody, it's a, a whiskey lover, a bourbon lover, that's mm-hmm. a place to be mid September. I mean, you can taste just about, well, just about every whiskey that's made in Kentucky anyway. Uh, well, like not, I said earlier, elsewhere. I mean, it was a it was a, a pretty amazing event for you guys last year. People were lined up across the event center there just to just to try your whiskey, and for good reason, for absolutely good reason, and. uh so I, I encourage people who are coming to the Kentucky Bourbon Festival this year to to search you out at the festival and and try your whiskeys. 
We're going to be at Bourbon on the Banks this year, which is a festival in Frankfort, Kentucky. I hope you can make it. I hope so. Yeah, I, I, I've spoken with our, our regional manager uh, who has handles actually Kentucky and Indiana, and he I think he's planning on, on being there. Hopefully, we'll have a presence there. It's just a matter of how uh, logistics work out mm-hmm. and whether or not uh, we can get the, the people to, to kind of, um, you know, service the, the event. So, but uh, yeah, and uh, personally, I'd love to go. People can find you on the internet, social media. Yeah, I, me personally, I'm on social media, <laughs> different uh, different events. I'm on Instagram, actually, uh, CC Master Distiller. If you're on, uh, you know, CC on Master of, Distiller. Yeah, okay. on Instagram, there so you go. Facebook. But uh, yeah, if you want to, if you're interested in the brands or any, any of the uh, point of sale stuff, you know, we do have that website. As I mentioned, www.chickencockwhiskey.com. So they can go there and buy some some product or her. Uh, you know, a few few point of sale items we have. We're not a big company. Grand Barrel, like I said, is a very very small company, and they're growing though. They're growing. So I would imagine if you go on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or any of those places, you search Chicken Cock, and you guys are going to come. You're going to find it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Greg, we really appreciate you being on the show today. We've had um, such my a, pleasure, such a wonderful time here drinking these great whiskeys, folks. I'm sorry we couldn't. Uh, taste through the rest of the 10 series with you but we're we're gonna have it after the show so we'll, we'll tell you about it when we see you out in town and uh you know i think it's only reasonable to get through four whiskeys in a show we've done mm-hmm. five before but then it starts to get a little silly so we gotta be kind of careful <laughs> brian did you have a good time today had a great time it is awesome to be back and uh looking forward to being a little more consistent as things slow down yeah. as we get into the fall. Absolutely. Well, you can find the Bourbon Road on all social media outlets. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. You can find us on TikTok. You can even find us on threads now. We actually have a couple of threads posts. I got out there and did it finally. Unbelievable. Yeah, I know. Well, it's real easy. You just share your Instagram post over the threads. So. This world moves so fast. <laughs> we do a show every single week. Every Wednesday, you'll hear a show from the Bourbon Road podcast. We'll usually have a, a great guest on like Greg and Chicken Cock, and, and we'll drink through some whiskeys and talk about some fun stuff. But sometimes, you know, we get we get off the road a little bit. We'll have a music guest on. We'll have an author or a chef or somebody like that. But be sure they're drinking whiskey when they come on the show. We have a great time here, and we hope you join us every single week. Brian, where can they find out more about the Bourbon Road and our swag and our blogs and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, you just want to go to the bourbonroad.com, and uh, there's some good swag on there. I feel like we're paying attention to uh, to the women. We need to make sure we have some good bourbonistas uh, t-shirts out there for them to get. Absolutely. And, uh, the bourbonistas are taking over. I know they're descending on uh, Daytona beach later this month. I've heard. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So nice. Daytona beach, watch out. The bourbonistas are coming down there. There's a big yacht bourbon event down there and the bourbonistas are going. So we'd love you to come to the website and check out the things we have to offer. Uh, the sale of those items, the t-shirts, the hats, the glasses, the, the decanters, all that kind of stuff just helps us get down the road for that next interview. So when you're buying a piece of that stuff, you know, you're, you're helping us get down the road. We don't do uh Patreon. We don't, mm-hmm. uh, we don't have any kind of memberships or anything like that. The way we fund the bourbon road is through our sponsorships and through sales of items on our website. So we hope you'll check it out. The bourbon 
hop on there. If you've got an idea for a show, if you've got an idea for a guest, if you've got a bottle you've tasted recently, maybe from your hometown distillery and you want to shine a little light on them, uh, make sure you get on our Contact Us page and send us a note. You can also send us an email. I'm Jim at the Bourbon Road. He's Brian at the Bourbon Road. Together, we're team at thebourbonroad.com. Reach out to us. We'll be sure to get back with you. But until the next time, we'll see you down the the Bourbon Bourbon Road. Road.